Welcome to the Travelling Senorita Podcast. I'm up to episode number 24. I've landed back in Oz. I took on Hong Kong, took on Italy. Now I'm back in the hometown of northern New South Wales where there is just so many stories to uncover here and it's such a beautiful part of the world. I was fortunate enough to come down to Brunswick Heads uh, during the week twice, in fact, to see some fantastic comedy that was launching here and... I'll tell you the rest of that story later, but right now I, uh, I have found the man behind this beautiful Brunswick Picture House and he's going to tell me his story because everybody has a story and his name is Brett Hadlock. Hello, Brett. Hadlock. Yeah. Hadlock. Hello. I said that so that you would actually, uh, you know. You, you get to you, yeah, uh, start off on the right pretend. <laughs> Brett Hadlock. H-A-Y-L-O-C-K. There we go. Brett with two Ts. Oh, excellent. So is there a Brett, with, is there a Brett with one T? There, there is. I think they probably came a few years after me. Yes, It was right. um, well, you know, in fashion to drop the T. So you were 60s or 70s boy? 71. Nice, I'm a 69er. So 71, like... approaching 50 years old. Yes. Well, can I just tell you, I've just done that and I feel bloody amazing. I feel great. I mean, this is why I bought this venue, in fact. So yeah. I had somewhere spectacular for my 50th, oh, uh, which is 2021. I <laughs> love that. I love that. So, Brett, everybody's got a story from when they are born right through to now. You've got an amazing um, uh, journey going forward into into your 50s. I want to know about you as a, as a young boy, where you grew up and how you became this person you are today. Uh Great question. So, 28th of September, 1971, a small baby was born in South Australia uh, and I was born in the adoptive unit and then I was adopted by my parents at 10 days old and raised in Munta on the top of uh, York Peninsula. Beautiful part of the world, crystal clear waters, right up in the Gulf, absolutely no surf and uh, very, you know, just a beautiful, very quiet, little quaint seaside town in South Australia and I always uh, sort of looked beyond the little town of Moonta all through my schooling I think. I was the drama nerd, I was in the drama block for my entire schooling. Uh, I loved it, it's no sort of, there's no, no, it's not, there's no sort of signs of that anywhere else in my family. I was the black sheep but I was Never far away. Your, sorry to interrupt you, but do you know much about your adopted parents? Ah, uh, went on. It's a, that's uh, how long have we got today? No, so I went on to meet my creative side of it. I went on to meet yeah, I went on to meet my mother once. Yes. Uh, and n- never knew who my father was, and n- no, that was one of the obvious early questions for her was where does this <laughs> gene come from and uh, she said she had no idea wow there you go so you're unique you're yeah, one of a something kind. like that i remember uh, you know as growing up my grandfather used to take us to the circus and i remember being uh, momentous uh, yeah. and i really did have a huge impact on me and i remember in our household well, uh, we were only allowed to stay up late as children to watch the circus back when the circus used to be on national television and it was sort of celebrated as an art form. Yes. Um, and so if I look back at how did I end up, uh, you know, running away with the circus, then these were influences, uh, strong influences on me as a young child. And I was always sort of destined to not to work not far away from a stage. Uh, doubled as being an actor, but I was a terrible actor. And left for London on a one-way ticket when I was 21 and a uh, you needed to discover this big bad world. You and I were in. Uh, you and I were living uh, parallel universes because I'm two years older than you, and I left for London on a one-way ticket when I was 23. Yeah, right. So, so there we're you about go. the same time. <laughs> yes. um, it was like, a good time to be in London. It was an amazing time to be in London, and I immersed myself in it and thought that the life would. There was no other life for me except for London. I had to return to Australia and was coming back here just to sort of say hello to parents and was rushing back to London. Um, this was two and a half years later. Uh, it's also called a visa runs out too. That's correct. <laughs> but that didn't stop me at the time. I was going back. I was going to enter, come in via Dublin, blah, blah, blah. I was doing all those old tricks. Yeah. But I actually came back to Australia two and a half years later and, uh, uh, you know, and was like, this isn't as bad as I thought. Um, yeah, I'd also come out um, as a gay man when I was in London. It's a well-worn path, um, you know, undertaken by many young so, Australians. So let's, just, let's just go there for a second. When you said that you uh, ran away to the circus, 
after you were growing up in the small town? That was to come later. So I, I, I was landed back here as about 20, uh, you know, 23, 24 or Feeling something. Feeling liberated as a gay man. Correct. Yes. And uh, London was, you know, the centre of my universe and I was returning to London. But I was... You would have um, been hanging out at nightclubs called Home and places like that, you? I was. I was doing all the things that <laughs> London has to offer and, and uh, enjoying... What about the car wash? Did you go to the car wash? I did go to the car wash. Oh, I lived around the corner from the car wash. Stop it with those fans. And so I was like, <laughs> never just going to stay in Australia. I came back here and um, and actually it was like, wow, you know, this is an amazing Where country. Where did you land though when you came back? I, came, I went back to Adelaide and I landed back for a fringe. Of course, the uh-huh. Adelaide Fringe um, and the Adelaide International Festival had an enormous impact on me and my exposure to those festivals, there's no doubt, have uh, in, directly influence what so I do Edinburgh today. So and things like that? Yes. Or? I mean, Adelaide, you'll find, is disproportionately represented within sort of the arts sector. Correct, be, be, yeah. And as is Edinburgh. Edinburgh being the largest arts festival in the world. Yes. And I went on to, to build a very strong relationship with that festival. And Adelaide being the second largest. Yes. And so in growing up in the world. And growing wow. up, I had this exposure. Back then it was biannual. Now it is annual. And it... And it these the you know had such a powerful the images and the shows that i saw had an enormous impact on me this is we're talking early 90s yes so i landed back i was in london for 93 94 95. you are copying everything i'm thinking we we, we were there we were on the start floor at car wash (laughs) together unknowing and i didn't know you were gay (laughs) (laughs) you were making eyes at me uh, typical of my luck then and uh so i yeah, I landed back in Australia. I was came back for a fringe, spent every dollar I had, I think, and uh, was and did you know a lot of the performers from? Was there a connection between Edinburgh and Adelaide then? And there was a yes, there was. But I was all I was new to the scene then. But yes, I went I, when I was living in London. I went to Edinburgh every year, but I didn't have much of a network back then. But I yes. was just sort of. I was going to see eight shows a day and just yes. wide-eyed and just yes. kind of taking it all in. And uh, I got a lucky break when I was back in Adelaide and long story, but I ended up managing, within a couple of months I was managing a a concert hall in Adelaide uh, where the right doors opened at the right time. And I ended up doing that for a couple of years and and it was a lucky break, no doubt, and it started me on this path. And I was headhunted from there to go to the Adelaide Fringe Mm -hmm. uh, and was managing the venues in the box office for Adelaide Fringe in 2000. And through that, I worked closely with the famous Spiegel Tent, which uh, was coming into Australia for its very first engagement. And those of you who don't know what a Spiegel Tent is, is a a 1920s antique Belgian mirror tent. Beautiful velvet canopy and, and you know, every piece uh, can be carried by one man. And they travelled through Europe... um, uh, as dance halls, really, for the working class, and I was in completely the late 1900s, yes. And the the in, in particular, the famous Spiegel tent was built in 1920, and that's yes. the tent that I went on to have a long-standing relationship with. Yes, uh, and I was completely intoxicated by yeah. these. The, by the allure of this, of these tents. Well, when you I, walk into them, you are automatically transformed back. It feels to me like you've stepped back in time. Yes, in and then I, of course, then went on to spend the next part, best part of the next fifteen years uh, traveling the world in those tents and uh, and knowing them intimately. And so I, the famous Beagle Tent, did that first engagement in at the Adelaide Fringe in two thousand. Is that part of the Garden of Unearthly Delights? It was right? the beginning of that garden. The yes, of that, it was right, the birth so of the garden. Right. Yeah, and you were part thing. of that. that Scene. Yeah, it was, and I was working for Fringe, and so it was. They were amazing times, and I, uh, I we anyway, I was comp- was going to run away with that tent at the end of that festival. I, uh, amazing gentleman by the name of David Bates, who owned the famous Spiegelton, I said, I'm going to run away with you, and we went on to a, to to this is create. The running away with the circus. Yeah, and then that, that we were running. That, that tent at international festivals and we can look back now and we assembled a team um, that sort of delivered that experience and I and the that was the beginning of sort of some of my you know closest friendships and certainly lifelong relationships were built during those heady days and what we can look back now and acknowledge that it was really pivotal and what was happening then really did change forever the landscape of both Australian and international arts festivals. It changed the the, the, the the makeup of those festivals, and by putting a a, 
something, a fixture like the famous Beagle Tent and all of its associated romance at the centre of those festivals. It really did. Uh, uh, and to this day, there's, a fest, there's now about eight uh, so Spiegel tents permanently in Australia. Yeah, so when you say you ran away with the circus with the Spiegel tent, is that just in Australia? You took it no, we it? took that, that year um, after Adelaide, we, I, we, our first engagement was Edinburgh. So we how went did, to Edinburgh. How did Spiegel over in Edinburgh. This David had been taking the famous. He, yes, he had taken the famous for, for a few years. That grew and and grew really, and was a receiving house um, for a number of different shows, and we were presenting it in, uh, at, at international festivals. Out of that, and we, I was running a late night club um, called Club Spiegel, and it was a, I guess, a club for artists to let off steam after they'd done a show. So in it the had Spiegel, in the Spiegel, in the Spiegel tent. tent. Yeah. So it was a wild. And it was, uh, it was very unique and it was crazy days where there was a real theatricality and people's behaviour sort of responded to, the, to this very unique venue. And so they were, they were incredible times and we were running this wild late night club and at the time I guess we were, I thought we were being incredibly kind of avant-garde and we were doing weird and wonderful shit and we were doing, putting some great performers that I'm still working with 20 years later and um, you and dwarves, dwarves tap, tap dancing on the bar. That you're talking about? No, I mean that's... that's <laughs> As you're talking? That's what makes me feel old and it's the, it's the depth of these f friendships and relationships yes. with the artists that I've worked with over, over a long time. Yes. And I'm still working with today and then we can m make a reference to, oh, remember when we did that? Oh shit! That was twenty years ago. Yeah, because yeah. it doesn't feel it as we're talking. Not at all. Um, and so they, it was. Some, it, it, they were heady days. It was certainly. It was wild. It was amazing, and it was an incredible uh, collection of artists. And out of that, I just felt that we had a show, and we were putting these acts on within a nightclub context. And uh, I was. Uh, I, I again, I can look back on it and say it was innovation through naivety. I really didn't know what was happening on, in the American sort of market. I hadn't, I wasn't that afraid with what was going on in the European market, but what felt right to me, um, and now we can look back and say that it was actually my ADHD on stage. Yeah, and so we had this, we, we, we reinvented the variety format. And the show was born in 2004, and we'd spent about two years prior to that, playing with the format and gathering, experimenting. Gathering the troops. Yeah, and just sort of trying different things. And back then, the amazing band called the Cat Empire with a house Stop. band, and we were touring with hey, the Cat Empire. Don't just skate on the Cat Empire, because we, I'm going to come back here now. Again, you're following my... We've got a parallel universe, you and I. So I land back in Melbourne in 95, which is probably... You're, you're sort of Adelaide, Edinburgh, sort of yes. skating around. And there was a, a, I just, I really want to mention this about a Cat Empire because we used to go to the Night Cat after seeing mm -hmm. live bands and working in hospitality and whatever. We'd go to the Night Cat in Johnson Street at like 3 a.m. in the morning and all these musicians from the con would get up and just play on their trumpets mm -hmm. and whatever. Night Cat, Cat Empire, that's how this all came about was these young guys. Felix was always part of that and they just all got together and played and before I knew it, I kind of missed, I moved to Sydney so I missed a whole period of, of, of the Cat Empire. I saw them at the MCG opening up the um, AFL and I'm like, I missed that whole transition, but they actually became Cat Empire. Yes. From the con, from these musicians, similar to what you're saying about performers, all hanging out together, knowing there's something great going on. They are now what? Australia's, I would say, one of Australia's leading bands. Yeah, um, and they were born about the same time as the show. And I think, you know, the, the first, uh, the, you know, the, the clip for Hello, Hello is still shot in the famous Beagle Tent. It's shot between the hours of around 5am yes. and 7am over a series of... That's in Melbourne? Um, uh, well, that was in both Melbourne. it was in Melbourne and Edinburgh and other cities as well. The Cat and Boy were on a real uh, circuit with us. And we took them to Adelaide. The Tent. Yeah, we took them to Adelaide yes. for the first time. We took yes. them to Edinburgh for the first time. And I have beautiful fond memories but like that first it. year in Edinburgh we were an amazing big old penthouse flat up in, in Dublin Street these old Edinburgh Newtown flats and I was in a tiny little room at the end and then in the living room there were seven little single uh, mattresses <laughs> which was the academy yes. I spent the month sleeping outside Fantastic. all next to each other uh, so in a way that was their um, really organic kind of um, theatre shows in a way as opposed to their big band stuff yeah I mean they, they were Finding their feet, we were finding our feet. It, 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 you know, it was a a, a, yeah, and it was mm. beautiful time. And we, mm. so that show was born, and it was born, and it was a midnight cabaret, 
uh, and I don't speak a word of French, but I decided to call it Le Clique, and uh, something oh, pretty special happened, <laughs> and it ignited uh, on day one, and I guess we knew that it had a great lineup, and but had no idea what was to sort of happen next, yes. and we. Uh, received I think about and this is unheard of in Edinburgh we've got I think five five star reviews by day three. So the, the click start was launched in Edinburgh? Yes right. in the famous Spiegel tent tucked out of the way at wow. midnight. With Cat Empire? Uh, the year before actually the Cat Empire were a part of were, were Le Clique and they were this house band. Yes. The year uh, you look back at history and you can rewrite history to, 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 to sort of suit your own needs. But <laughs> we, I would say that that was 2003. 2004 was the year that we didn't have a house band. Yes. And we'd probably... And the, the show that that we presented in 2004 is... Like, there's very few differences between that show then and what the show that is yeah. touring now. Yeah. Uh, it's changed name, morphed from Le Clique to La Soiree. And, uh, that still, that's still touring now? Yep, and wow. we've just got back from Europe. And this, that show has um, been seen by over 8 million people and had an enormous impact internationally where it really did reinvent the variety format and put it um, sort of, you know, we were the first circus in the centre of London for is 30 this, years. And this is only Aussie guys that are working on this? At this uh, and the cast was truly international um, and it was produced by two Australians, myself and yeah. David Bates yeah, for, yeah, for Le Clique. Yeah, yeah. So it achieved, it achieved great <laughs> success, amazing success and we were the darlings of the international festival circuit for a number of years and sold every ticket and it, you know, sold out three Sydney festival seasons where it had sold out three months prior to us even arriving. People were sleeping out in Martin Place um, overnight because they would release a couple of tickets in the morning, each morning during Sydney festival. Yeah. So it really was, it created a lot of hysteria and um, it just absolutely captured uh, the imagination of, of of our time, and it was a show that had a really big heart. It um, it celebrated difference. It took performers who were predominantly from the fringes of the performing arts mm, world, mm. Um, and who would cut their teeth in the queer clubs or in the, on the on the street or whatever, and it put them uh, into a, a, a really unique um, platform, and yeah. which was played in, on a very intimate stage, yeah. only two and a half meters around. There was absolutely nowhere to hide, and there was a, a theme, I guess, that ran through it. And the theme was this enormous um, sort of goodwill and this big heart, and it just made people feel better about themselves. Mm. People absolutely loved it, and these were some of the freakiest performers, you know, that were touring the world at the time. And so, but it, but it presented them in a different light, and and and, and it validated them. Well, it was the truth. For me, because I did see the show and I actually was, uh, was around at um, Garden of Unearthly Delights at the time that you were launching that, I feel like it, and I've always loved Fringe, I must have wanted to run away to the circus as well, but I think you really encapsulated Fringe, like the word that Fringe represents yes. in, this, in this country. Like you guys were cutting edge of Fringe and yes. festivals going, you know, from the old days. They were around when, when we weren't around, but you were bringing back that Fringe, the real true meaning of Fringe. Yeah, and delivering it with, um, you know, really high production values. Yes. It was really slick. Um, and, of course, we so enjoyed the luxury. <laughs> and we, yeah, we enjoyed the luxury of sort of, I mean, we were, we never ever sought work out for that show. That show just has had worked consistently for years and wow. years. And that's why that kind of volume of people saw it, because it just, we, 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 we had been touring for about four years, I think, and pretty non-stop after once that once it had started, it, then the international offers came in. We were touring, we were circling London and we were waiting for the right opportunity. And for a number of years, at the top of a hat, I would fly to London because a new venue or a new idea had been presented. And we were waiting for the right door to open in a, I, 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 for, to launch Le Clique into, into London, which of course we can accept now, you know, one of the theatrical meccas of the world. Mm -hmm. and if you made it there in New York, then you know, a show has really made it. Mm -hmm. We- Was uh, it for you? It was amazing. I mean, we had no idea, like I was holding the reins on this thing and um, 
and it was an incredible roller coaster ride. It changed after that Edinburgh. We got through that month and there were no tickets that had sold out. Sold out on day three and then all of a sudden I've got things, people like the Lincoln Centre in New York and BAM and, and all these international, very prestigious venues were all wanting tickets. Mm. And we, I, we weren't even smart enough to have held that many sort of house seats and so I couldn't even satisfy them to get them in. And we were sort of out of our depth for that month but we did this show and it had a massive impact on like day five of the fringe we were the front page full page full wow, color image and wow. it it just absolutely broke through and now i know edinburgh festival intimately and the, yeah. the, this does not happen very often yes. uh what happened to us uh is quite extraordinary yes we've really become i guess there's a handful of shows like that but we're the like poster kids of that, pack up your ideas, take them in a bag to work to the biggest arts festival in the world and anything could happen. And it really did. And I remember getting on a plane uh, at the end of that festival and sort of, you know, we were festival sort of whores for many years, living that, that, that the rhythm of it was, that wild. I call, I call it bipolar and a bipolar festival because in, in the sense of you have these extreme highs and when the yes. festival's over, the party's over, you hop on a plane and there's no one there. And then you go to the quite, next festival. That's go, what oh, was happening. The, okay, and then you, you go rolling. to the next festival and then you go to the next well, festival. you have high energy, Brett. Yeah. So this, that I was, need a break in between why, festivals. No, I mean, <laughs> that's what, you know, it was kind of, we would do that for a number of years. An opportunity arose for London and, you know, it was, it was bigger than my wildest dreams and it was uh, the London Hippodrome and so there had been, it had been a nightclub and it had, had been, uh, there hadn't been a show in there for 30 years or something. Mm, that's a big um, nightclub, a big space. Yes, and it was, had been, you know, over its history, it was a beautiful Frank Matcham design right there on Leicester Square. It had been top of the town, which launched Shirley Bassey and Judy yeah. Garland and yeah. everyone into yeah. London. Yeah. And uh, Le Clique opened um, in London and it ran and ran and ran. And now we knew that we were, didn't have that venue forever. It was already destined to become a casino. But we um, absolutely, London fell in love with that show. And we, in that first year, won the first of our Laurence Olivia Awards for Whoa. Best Entertainment. And so that was incredible. You imagine this little young boy from Munta who had never been to university or whatever. The boy and then, from Oz. This is and, and I was up there in a tuxedo on the stage at uh, the Royal Opera House in Covent Garden accepting an award for all the freaks and the misfits. Oh, wow. And, uh, and it was, and, it, and this was the great and good of London and this was uh, uh, validating this little show which yes. was, was a queer, dirty, you know, underground cabaret yes. and it was being celebrated at the very highest mm. level and um, and it changed the trajectory of that show and our lives mm -hmm. forever and so we then sort of become a lot became we'd, we'd proven that we could be a long-running show and we had the chops to do that and so then that we went into London did nine months we were launched into New York for the first season and then the, the roller coaster ride continued and everywhere from Helsinki to Buenos Aires and uh, and we and subsequently really established a, a, a really great brand and reputation in London um, and have gone on to do 10 very significant seasons in London and then through that relationships changed and everything we became from Le Clique we became La Soiree and uh, La Soiree went on to win a second Laurence Olivia Award for Best Entertainment and, and that's unheard of. Yeah, yeah, I accepted both the awards, and we were that was that was. So how many years are you in this in the whole entirety that you were part of this show? Oh well, I mean, I've been at the helm of it since two thousand and four, since it was created. And you still, you still are, you yes. still very involved now. Yes, yes. Wow. I mean, so that has been incredible. We took, we became uh, from you know we played every major city in Australia, and really like smashed box office records and and from after three Sydney festivals uh, we were we then collaborated with the Sydney Opera House and went into the Sydney Opera House and we created wow. that new slot and so we did uh, um, and the, you know it, to this day we're still the, it's the longest running show in the history of the Sydney Opera House and we established this summer slot which opened around New Year's Eve and ran right through to the end of Mardi and Gras. And that still that still happens now? Uh, yeah it's very this year's a bit different because they're doing um, big major works on the studio and the concert all down in Sydney but um, so it's a shorter run but yes it really uh, and we did a number of years as the resident show at the Opera House. Yes. Um, and 
we're talking enormous like volume of people seeing the show through yes. that time and so I've been conditioned to doing eight shows a week for mm -hmm. many many years mm -hmm. and loved it and uh, it's been incredibly rewarding and I uh, and we've had it you know many times we've had two shows running and I didn't think anything of you know uh, second time in New York I was two weeks in Sydney two weeks in New York two weeks in Sydney and of course it's a it's a crazy lifestyle and if right. I fast forward <laughs> I was gonna say that that is an amazing story and if it's I hugely energetic forward to the to where you are sitting right now to where I'm right now and that and that's the kind of lifestyle we were we were all living and been and it was amazing then we opened a show in Brisbane in 2000 and 15. Yes, at the, at, in the I'd opened at QPAC. No, it was a part of, oh, we, we, yeah, yeah. we were with QPAC. Okay, I'm with you, yep. I've been doing it for so long. We are all, uh, all of us in the show have been conditioned on your first, on your Monday, which is your weekend, we try whenever we can to escape the city. Yes. I escaped Brisbane on our first Monday. I came down to visit dear friends. Okay, look, can I do, can I, this is total, yeah. total, um, Total truth here. Are you getting slightly exhausted at this stage? Uh, no, no, it takes no a lot. No change in your mind. No tree change well, in your mind. Well, so not consciously. Well, you, there you go. Not consciously. Yeah. So that's important. Because you you strike me as someone that doesn't, and I mean this, you know, in, in the nicest possible way, runs on creative adrenals. So, so you just keep going. You keep yes, going. And as a freelancer, you just don't know how to say the word no. And that's so well, when you, when you the show gets offered work, you yeah, say. You take it, yeah. And you make it work you with went for a good show running. South of Brisbane. <laughs> we came down to the. You were heading to Byron Bay. To the, uh, uh, on the north coast of New South Wales, the seaside town of Brunswick. Were, were, you, were you heading to Byron Bay though? No, we, I hate Byron. No, no, I shouldn't tell you. No, Byron's never been a big part of. Uh, I, never, I never held a place in my heart for Byron Bay for lots of reasons. Uh, I, I, I think it's beautiful, whatever, but I never. I have dear friends who have, uh, have a very, very sort of. Uh, type links with Byron yeah. and I, that didn't happen for me you were but I fell heads. in love with Brunswick Heads and I'd been here through a couple of times I was laying on the beach here that afternoon on a Monday afternoon with the dear friends and I turned and it was most of our company with international artists we'd all come down and I turned to everybody and I said I bloody love this town <laughs> my dear friends <laughs> who had just done a three month run at the opera house started chuckling you weren't, uh, reading, a, you weren't reading a book and chilling and, out Brett no and, and they <laughs> turned to me and they were chuckling and I was like, what are you loving? And they said, well, we weren't going to tell you because you don't need any more distractions in your or life. Or ideas. And they said, but you know that there's an old theatre for sale. And then that, from that second, you something started. Did something, you jump off your tail? Did you jump off your I didn't. So what happened is we spent that and we ended up having a Monday night, you know, all the old Soiree. performers came out and we had big feast and seafood and... That was all on Monday night and we were at a friend's place in Mullumbimby and I could not get this thought out of my mind and we rolled back down the hill at about midnight and we were staying at a motel around the corner and I gathered my troops uh -oh. and said, come on, who's coming to find this theatre with me? So and the, we walked the, the very, very quiet, dark streets of Brunswick Heads <laughs> yeah. on a Monday night. Okay, what, what year are we talking? Uh, it's 2015. Yes. Uh, uh, yes, yes, sorry, we, yes, that's right. I came around here at about midnight or something and, and laid, yes, and uh, and laid eyes on this uh, little asbestos ridden seaside dream. And How long did it have been closed for? 30 years. No way. 30 years. 30 years. And it was, look, and Untouched. I laid eyes on it and something happened. Now you asked me the question earlier, was I feeling tired or whatever? I, I, what was I would say... Again? I would say to you, consciously, I was not. I okay. didn't know I was tired. Yes. Something, ah. something triggered. Okay, I went back to the motel around the corner. <laughs> I could not sleep. I uh, got up. I came back here at about five o'clock in the morning. You know, this morning. is sounding like Priscilla, don't you? I, five you know, this is sounding like Queen of the Desert here. Uh, uh, when a, a boy had a calling, and I sat in the gutter across the road, and I watched the sunrise. You can't sleep. You get up at five a.m. I came back down here. I'm sitting in that gutter. And I watched the sunrise on, trash on, this on this stage. venue. I, it was tragic. There's no question <laughs> if anyone drove past, it was just like, what? what, what I love it's this. a tragic sight. Yes. Don't tell me the light. I was came waiting on. for the, what I believed would be an acceptable time to call the mobile number on the for sale <laughs> sign out front. And, and now in hindsight, it probably wasn't a reasonable hour, but at 7.30 a.m., I called that number. And that was the beginning of the next chapter of our life. And, uh, 
I then, over the course of a... Can I just ask a question how long that um, for sale sign would have been up for? It had been up for about two years. And so this, a this, number this, of people had looked at this venue and no one really knew. But for 30 years it sat there. How could it sit there for 30 years? Well, the, the, the previous owner was a, an amazing old lady called Norma Kia, and she had only just passed. So we effectively bought it off of her three children who were all in their oh, 70s. Oh, so they were all living around? They were living um, here? They she was living here by herself. And so she... Um, People wanted, well, she was living here and, and before it was so, around. a lot of people wanted to look in it or use the hall, hire the hall. Right. And she wouldn't even let people look in the hall. So she was a strong willed woman, shall we say. And, uh, and, and she had operated the picture house before it closed in about 85. And what she'd actually done... Hang on a second. So she, she was the operator of the picture yeah, house? Yeah, it was operated by... With her... What, by, just, uh, by, by, her, so by herself... Um, she operated it single-handedly and as a movie, as a, as, movie. As a picture house, as a movie theatre. And what what happened here in Brunswick Heads to this little picture house really is a reflection on what happened up and down the yes, coast of right. Australia. And all of tell that's incredible. All yes. of these little picture houses yes. closed in the mid eighties. Yes. We all know they were pushed out by the multiplexes and yes. um, and the you know the distribution rights to the to the new releases and everything that's all started to change and they were. So did she just out. then close it and stay living here? Kind of sad. Um, well, I'm not sure on the happenings on the state of a sort of mental health. Do you pick up on it? Do you know how that all kind of yes. went? Yes. Um, what she did do is she um, kept this intact, and in fact, um, by the time we became the custodians of this building, it was like a time capsule. Yeah. And so right down to the original so reserve signs. <laughs> yes. I mean, she, there are there are little oh, signs so of her presence much. everywhere everywhere around the venue. Yes. And uh, oh, it's how amazing. And uh, and the, all of this sort of paraphernalia around the old operating picture house is, was was kept here. And then yes. what what when they donated to us once we, they once the family saw us start this renovation. So that made their heart sing. They yes. wanted that to happen. And we. Um, I pursued it like a crazed man for six weeks. I can't imagine that. Bit. And it was already under contract. Um, and now she, the woman who was born by it has become a dear friend locally. And Hang on, wait a second. It was under contract when you were pursuing it. Yeah, and it was. Um, and now that woman is, has, has become a dear friend. She was like, what the hell was I thinking? And we, uh, anyway, we, we were successful in getting this theatre. Was, and it, then was we, there a bit of time in between you, like, it actually Six weeks it? from first seeing it to... You uh, must have been going nuts though in We the were head. doing... I was, we were playing eight shows a week in Brisbane and I was driving thinking, down here every day. You couldn't stop thinking about it, could you? No, I was but doing... You were driving, driving every day? I, well, my, it was sort of like five days a week I would just come looking, down... Just No, feeling. I'd come down to meet the pest control guy. I'd go back to Brisbane to do a show. I would come down the next day to meet the kind of... meet somebody else at Billings and then I'd go back but up But you to still the, hadn't had it at this. You didn't secure no, it No, but doing all the kind of, I guess, the Due diligence on the building and making the you know to make an epic decision whether myself or my partner Chris Chen would undertake a massive financial risk of, of doing okay, this. Did you and of intuitively course this was know? Led. Did you intuitively know that you would you would envelop this place and it would be your creative? I had a vision and I knew I knew what it would look like and but no, had we done. Um, like numerous Excel <laughs> spreadsheets to, to determine the financial viability. Of course we didn't, because how did we even know? Okay, what, so you're you know, clearly. I'm going to stop you here. You're clearly the creative in yes. this situation. So Christian, Chris is a, is Christian is an accountant who ran away with the circus, and we met 12 years ago, and he's been touring he's your, with. He's your beautiful since. partner. So he's Mr. Spreadsheet. When you're going a bit crazy, is he going? Okay, yes, let me just I write mean, this down and let. That, that's right. But I mean, we. This decision, this no secret, was a led by the heart and it was uh the best decisions and it was an um, um and it was pure passion what was driving that passion i didn't understand until maybe 12 months later or certainly once we were settled into the rhythm of brunswick heads and there is now to, to finish that story we that we were successful and then we uh, picked up the keys 
on what will always be uh, Splendor Weekend in oh, July oh, wow. uh, in 2015. That's crazy town. And a number of people moved in on time and we assembled a team and sort of this place was then um, <gasps> transformed. Why did I know you back then? I would have been here in a flash. Transformed by huge, by some really dear friends who were really active Just part of it, it and from and um, were living on site and we Amazing. went. Did you go to Splendor? Uh, not that weekend, we didn't. We were here. Um, Creating and, your own splendor. And that be- was the beginning of a nine-month epic transformation Turn where on. hundreds of people donated the time yeah. and energy yeah. and, um, you know, another dear friend who was worked for me for years, but he was working on a show on the strip in Vegas for Cirque du Soleil. He took two weeks wow. holidays, flew out here to Brunswick Heads, painted for two weeks, slept in a tent in the backyard. At the end of his holidays, went back and went back to work. You uh, can, but you can feel, I can feel that you've had a whole troops here of Cirque around. You've got people in here to make this a really lovable place. People, you can call it whatever you want. I believe that there was a lot of love poured into this I place. I feel it straight up. The, um, and it was built by artists for artists. Yes. And, yes. Uh, and now to this day, every person who comes through and plays here yes. sort of has this moment and says, wow, what yeah. an amazing place. Everybody can have their own interpretation of that, but no, there is no doubt that there your is. Your words a... before time capsule, I reckon that sums it up really well. That you opened up a time capsule in a way. Yes, and it, it was, feels like and that. it captured something. And you know, I mean, it's I, what I had done is underestimated at the time uh, how universal the romance and goodwill yeah. attached to reopening a theatre. Yeah. And you don't have to be a theatre person yeah. to have an enormous amount of respect for, for a theatre reopening. But isn't that we community? Are, Aren't you talking about community? Yes, and the, this had been at the centre of the community That's life. Correct. yeah. And I believe that right now it in is. this day and age that we are all, everybody, and La Soiree has been doing that for many years and asking people to put their phones down and asking them to be present in the yes. room yes. and to engage with something and that they'll they have images that will last with them you know, for many, many years, if not to the grave. Yes. What has happened here at the Picture House is very special in that it is, and I genuinely believe that many people don't really consciously uh, aren't, aren't seeking out an alternative, but subconsciously what happens here is very special. Mm. And they come here, mm. they put their phones down mm. and they engage with their neighbours and their community. And at, at its core, it is very old fashioned. Yeah. Um, what we are doing has been done for hundreds of years and it's mm. just we are we find many different ways and platforms which require our neighbors to come here and engage with us and react accordingly and so whether it be bingo or whether it be a cheeky cabaret or whatever but we it, we are just asking them to get off the couch and sort of live which this is life. Your, which is, I'm going to just tell you um, a little wee story there because my 18-year-old son, I've got a younger son, Will Smith, famous, that one. He is. The skinny white boy. And he hangs out, uh, we live up at Casarina, and he hangs out with some crew from Byron, whatever. They met the other night to see Dave Hughes here. And, you know, that's an 18-year-old boy, right, yeah. who goes to, like, I'm talking they go to the, the rap in Brisbane and blah, blah, blah. They bought tickets to come to comedy the other night. And as a mother, it was like a Wednesday night. Firstly, they bought it. They bought the tickets themselves. They drove down here. They had some dinner around town and they went to that. As a mother of an 18-year-old boy who's into rap, I will say that, yeah. that makes my heart sing like you would not believe. Because what they did there was, it's not just community, they met in the middle, one from Byron, one from mm-hmm. Casarina. They had dinner in town. Right? Yes. So they're, they're, they're enticed by the food and, and, and contributing yeah. to the um, econo- economically contributing to the town, which is important. But secondly, they're culturally being really awakened by what you said. No phones in there, one hour, smash it out, old hall. They came out of there um, buzzing. I think that's yeah. a real accolade to you guys. Yeah, I mean, so I'm not smart enough to have, have, have been con- consciously sort of building... Uh, I guess putting the building blocks into place for what we've we've got now. Yes. What has been commented by a number of people in the industry who are both familiar with the with the culture around the Spiegel tents, and it's no doubt that um, what I've I guess after you know 20 years doing what I've done, yes. then I've what we've subconsciously done here is replicate that excitement mm-hmm. of the and, and achieve that in very different ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not a velvet canopy roof and and the, mm-hmm. and the old timbers of the of the Spiegel tent, but it gets this place. 
in Brunswick Heads, the picture house gets people humming on a frequency mm. and that whether there's an excitement about what they're about to see. And mm. so they're excited for a number of reasons. This is a, um, a part of that it's cloaked in a kind of nostalgic familiarity. And, mm. um, and as people, you know, the cheeky cabaret is our, is when you look at the, you look in the eyes of the cheeky cabaret, you can tell um, who its parents are. And it's but very clearly um, derived from, from La Soiree. It's the, it's the love child of that. It's the house show here at the picture house. When we play that, and that's built us a big reputation, and people think nothing of driving from Brisbane, Lismore, Mwilumbaru, for driving two hours to come and see the Cheeky Cabaret now. Yeah, but great. as they approach, there's something magical happens when you present a show that's much bigger than the town. And this says a town of 1,600 people, and that's genuinely exciting for an audience. And as they approach, and I see them walking up the street, and they hear the old circus marches. They smell the popcorn. And I see the, 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 you know, the pretty lights at the front and the neon sign and then people sort of, their faces start glowing, the mm. beam, they, they smile, there's a spring in their step, mm. there's a sparkle in their eye and they are genuinely excited mm. and whatever we do in here and whether it be tonight we've got a dance party you turn it up Tuesday Tuesday night you're rocking out a dance party we are for like, the month of January as a city girl like I, I've lived up here for nearly 20 years but as a city girl I do get slightly bored every now and then particularly on a Tuesday night so that would suit me right because I don't want to sit home on the couch watching watching TV man I want to actually go and dance yeah. on a Tuesday night so no, this is a new don't tell me I have to dance on a Friday night I want to dance on a Tuesday that's night. right I mean, you how's know, that going I wanted to know how well, that's going tough to be honest I mean but you know everything we've done we put enormous investment in and this is uh and you, do you need you, me to come and dance tonight? I need you to come and dance I want everybody to come and dance no, but <laughs> have that's you got Renee Simone on tonight you, yes she's a friend of mine yes. I'll come dance she's 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 tonight but yeah. that's an that we that's an example of the business um as a whole in yeah. that you know we tried to play we put we had a huge film program in here but the reality isn't it cost us a lot of money to to, to really learn this um, but we didn't come from the film world. We came from live shows, yes. and so we had to. You so know, we when had you to, first did you put films in when you, you first? I mean, we did. We've done a lot of yeah, films over the yeah, years. Yeah, now, yeah. if we don't bolt something onto the onto the film that Netflix can't, we're not even in the race. Yes. But it. We. But you know. But nobody can tell you that. You, we needed to learn that. And yours is about interaction too, isn't it? You and so we've had great success with films yeah. in here, and we've we had great success at either end of the spectrum. And yes. it's either um, an anti-fracking film, and everyone wants to punch the air and change Works the world. Here. Works around here. We could show an anti-fracking film every week um, <laughs> um, and sell it out. But um, And the other end of the spectrum is is just the frivolous end and that's before we played dirty dancing we don't need to ask our audience twice to dress up um yeah. dads okay. are very happy to pop the pop the pop mum's blouse on yeah. come in here and have a few drinks and, and so go is crazy it, BYO here? it is byo at the moment that all we're about to apply for a liquor license we're about to undertake the next big phase of development in the picture house's history mm-hmm. um we were successful um, for the first time we ever asked the government for money we were successful in getting a grant from the New South Wales government. How good is that? Fantastic and uh, they... Hello I thought uh, the arts portfolio was dead. Um, oh sorry that was the federal government you got it from the state. Yeah and I've been and this is all new to us and so I'm a commercial producer and I've never you know I've take if I have an idea for a new show or whatever then I've funded that in Boston. The New so South Wales government heard me. No, and I, I, the New South Wales government heard me speak at a, uh, at, at a, a conference or something, and then, uh, unbeknownst to me, I didn't know they were there. And then they sort of I met them a bit later, and then they were saying, you know, what you're doing is quite remarkable. Mm. And I guess it took bodies like that to reflect back on our. Uh, what we were doing and what we've achieved here is actually completely unique in Australia. There is nothing like but it. But can I also say too, having worked in regional tourism, that's um, I've been working with the Destination Tweed for a long time. Um, regional tourism is at the heart of like DNSW needs to work harder on regional tourism, which is you you fit that yes. portfolio really well. I, I don't like talking on a political level, but I know what their mandate is for those sorts of things. So how do we ignite a town, right? So you were yes. talking about Brisbane. And, and they come down for the weekend. They come and see a show. They'll stay a weekend. That benefits all around. You that know? that conference that I was speaking at yeah. was about excellence in the regions. And that was about the yeah. regional Australia not accepting second best because yeah. we're not but in the like city. But it's like a placemaker. You're a placemaker, and, right? And what we present here and we're 
the, and, and, the, and the kind of stuff that we're presenting, I mean, it is incredibly ambitious. Yes. Um, on the scale that we're doing in a town of 1,600 people, to have at any one time we've got more tickets on sale than pop the population but of this town. destination. Yes, we are, and that's taken us time. And our growth has been organic because we never had the... We were never in a financial position to be able to launch this place with a massive bang yeah, and, you know, big fireworks and blah, blah. Thank God. And and what, I probably and wouldn't have come to that, right? And, <laughs> and now we know, again in hindsight, that the, the fact that we did the grunt of this work and this local community witnessed that. Yeah. And for nine months we busted yeah. our balls yeah. and we were there and we were they saw us at the beach washing the mud and grime and not tears and blood off of ourselves. So you have longevity with the community. And we, like, there was an enormous amount of respect for that. Yeah. We are, as a society, we are conditioned to theatres closing. We hear it time and time yeah, again. 2020, man, we're doing things and, differently. And uh, the, when a couple of romantic schmucks come along and reopen a theatre, it actually really resonates with the community. You couldn't do what we've done here in many small towns in Australia. You have to, we have to acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh, that this is a particularly dynamic community. I agree with you. And, and, the, and, the, and, and also the surrounds. The yes, surrounds? Correct. Like I'm only 20 minutes up the road. I'm part of that community. Do you know what I mean? Like yes, we will come. That's we will right. Build it, we will come. Can I ask a question though about the, the comedy? Because I came to the two shows, Judith Lucy and I came to Dave Hughes, right? So yes. I'm an old Melbourne girl. Um, well, I'm a young, no, old Melbourne girl and I love those guys, right? But they, when they were talking the other night, were they doing their pilot shows here? What's the deal behind that? Talk well, to me about what's going on so, there. So, I mean, we, the, the comedy's been a rich um, programming stream for us. And again, this picks up relationships that when I worked you for Melbourne Comedy yeah. Festival from 20 years ago. Yes. And, yeah, but what has happened here, happens, what, is, yeah. what, is, what has happened here though is, is again really unique and so, that everybody wants to buy into the small town vibe, okay? We all like that, we romanticise that small town vibe. I like to say we live in the Truman Show here in Brunswick Heads. And, oh no, and, I and, live in the Truman Show in salt. And, you cannot take the Truman Show. And But here, what? but it is not, and this is a, a most important, it is not a small town audience. And so that's what appeals to the comics. So they can come up here and we, wanted to position the picture house as a place to trial new material that's you know it's a healthy place for a new How for this new that? venue to be in we also know our audience instead now. of front of the mirror and, and, they actually and, get and, to do and it. we know our audience How and our that? audience are, are worldly yeah. our, yes. they are sophisticated yeah. they are a savvy audience yeah. and are smart enough to understand the creative process and of course you cannot walk onto the stage uh, at the um, comedy theatre in Melbourne yeah. and being a headlining act yeah. at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival without trying those gags. And so we've be become the darling of the biggest stand-ups in the country. And the, of course really they're well looked the, after. Is, is that this summer that you've done that? No, it's our third summer and it started with Will Anderson. And Will came up and had an amazing time. And when you say they looked after you, accommodation, food, all yeah, that, but, having but, a good yes, time. Yes, but it's a, it's, a, it's a very welcoming house. It's also, there's an element of it that's, there's an element of charm for the artists because yeah. the dressing room is our house and our backyard and there's water dragons walking between their legs and they so there's a certainly it's a very unique offering as far as the artists are concerned that yeah. it's personal in that we welcome them into our home yes and an audience sees feels that as well and so yeah, there's a yeah. there's a whole a number of planets align um that contribute to the success of that, that stand-up, but at its core, it, it, they are all trialling new material and in, with an audience that is savvy enough to to be able to respond to and that. And that's when you said it's, it's a really unique thing that you're doing here in a regional area because you do have that eclectic um, crowd. I mean, it's You've unheard of that we've that with yeah. the comedy program that yeah. we've just had um, it's a, in a town of 1,600 people. But do you know what? It's also affordable as well. Like, there yes. is economics behind it. Yes. I mean, and it's, a, it's important. For us to be members, we can pay, what, 28 bucks to go in. And We, you know, from day one, we had to really... Um, we wanted to build the, that membership program. It's that they are the backbone of this. And so, is that a couple hundred dollars a year or something? That's one, one hundred dollars a year. We we led now all the membership programs across the country. They don't, they're not, they don't uh, vary, you know, greatly. So we replicate, but we personalise that. For you get twenty percent off all your tickets here. You um, you're invited to exclusive events. So we will have a number of little sort of backyard soirees and special. Little, um, a, a special events for our members, for our housemates, 
And, you know, of course, we borrow from the airline industry and we bring you into a separate entrance. And, you know, it's a priority entrance. You don't need to join the queue. But those members, uh, our housemates, are the backbone of this operation and they are massive supporters. Um, and they come to everything we do and there's an enormous trust you know, they, um, and, you know, some of those houses become, we've become very close to. It's a, um, it's a real tribe. And when that tribe asks, is begging you for your marketing, marketing material, and we're not to ask, we're not pushing it down their throat when they're ringing us and saying, when's the new program coming out? When, when yeah. can I, how can I access this information? You're in their veins. Then, then that's a really um, privileged and prized yeah. place to be. And, and, and we cherish that and we don't take it I'm lightly. I'm going to bloody renew my membership immediately. Now, you are, you are a talker and so am I. We're up to 50 minutes. You're oh. the longest ever. Wow. However, that's okay. Just edit, I, cut half. No, I don't want to. I really enjoyed the story. But I will finish. So thank you, firstly, for the story because the journey has been amazing and it's a creative one. I'm a creative girl, so you, you, you're you touching all my heartstrings here. You're playing all my heartstrings. Tell me who and where in the world inspires you, Brett? Uh, who? I'm going to, can I do I'm going to throw a collective who, but not a singular. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, cool. I'm... I'm continuously my job is to seek out artists all the time and I'm asking questions and I'm looking for artists and I have been doing that for 20 years I've been turning over rocks in new cities to look for that gem to find that and so that's where I find my inspiration I'm constantly looking for new I'm always looking in the quirky kooky places I'm not looking in the obvious places and some of my best gems have been found in the darkest corners and uh, we've plucked them from from their Obscurity. habitat and p- p- place them uh, on our small round red stage and 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 put them and validated them and so that that I continuously find that we do that here we do it with our big shows and it, it continues to inspire me where inspires me I've been fortunate to you know work in some of the greatest cities in the world um, where which is one of my favourites I'd have to say I have a soft spot for Edinburgh and Montreal. They're my two favourite cities in the world. Edinburgh, I go back every year. It changed my life forever. Uh, I go back to kiss the ground from whence I came. And I um, I go every year, of course, casting and I'm seeing shows and understanding and it's a marketplace. And I'm not producing in Edinburgh the last few years. We have during the European tour during that August period, but I go back to the centre of it all and I am very proud of my history with that festival and my show's history with that festival and uh, um, and and we've had a lot of time in Montreal over the years and I find it and again it's a circus city and, and I love it. Yeah right beautiful they're good answers and can I just finish with a little story that we have ourselves as a family, I told you the 18-year-old with the sun coming. That's really good market research for you. No, they're um, the hardest market to capture. Yeah, correct. I mean, and the youth, are, you know, let's not underestimate the youth, mate. They've got some really good ideas going on in their heads right now. And my husband was having a birthday down here and we were coming to Yum Cha. And you guys were full out in the, this is the sort of place that you have created here. I don't remember meeting you at the time, but your staff was super accommodating and I'm sure you were leading them. Uh, we couldn't fit in the garden. It was it was May, you opened up the hall for us and, and laid out a big long trestle table and said, go for it guys. And we had like 18 guys and me. We BYO'd, we had beautiful yum cha and we were sitting in the theatre hall um, doing our thing. And I just that's think great. I just think that's a beautiful, that's how we, our first um, introduction here was a couple oh, of years fantastic. ago. fantastic. And I just thought, God, look at these guys. We could have, you know, they, they could have turned us away. But they said, no, don't worry. Well, it was almost like going into a circus and you created my husband's birthday for us on a Sunday lunch. And I just think you're amazing for um, opening up your space to the community because that's definitely a community story so thank you so much today Brett pleasure I have, um, to have you here I reckon I could go on tour with you what do you reckon yeah sure pack your bags run away and uh, join the circus do um, not tempt me I mean <laughs> we've we've moved here to Brunswick Heads we've captured everything the spirit of what we've done for the last sort of uh, tw- 20 years and now the reason we're here is not to tour as much we still have to tour but uh, that's the biggest challenge in my life right now is um, these leaving Bruns because I don't really want to ever leave. I'm I know. tied I here and I love great. it and it's the best decision we've ever made. Uh, but Fly away when I you still need have to go away to pay the bills every now and then. Yes. But, um, yeah. but this, is our, this is our home and um, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty amazing place to, to live. 
thank you for uh, having me in your home today and I will be at, I'll be here tonight. Do you want me to come dancing? Yeah, come dancing. I'll see you on the dance floor for some a shameless classic. <laughs> Ciao, my friend. <laughs> <laughs>